But I'm thankful that mentors taught me years ago. There's a time to be offended and there's a time to shrug it off. Out of the ashes, you will rise. If you feel sad, lost, depressed, finances are in the gutter, social life, you're lonely. Out of the ashes, you will rise. Here in my garage, invest in yourself. Always be curious. Don't be a cynic. Sleeping on a couch in a mobile home with only $47 in my bank account. When everything's burnt to the ground, when you're sad, lost, and depressed, and everything's at rock bottom, you get to rebuild the exact and precise way you want the damn thing rebuilt. Health, wealth, love, happiness, each of these four goals. In case you missed the last episode, make sure you go back and check it out. Here's what went down. I'm like, you not only are stupid, but you're actually the anti-solution. Coming up today, this dude who meant to do me harm for whatever reason, whatever issues he had, he's actually my salvation. Why does everybody get offended at everything nowadays? What is up with being offended and being triggered? I'm like, welcome to the real world. Time to wake up. People don't always play fair. You should want to be offended sometimes. You should want people to try to offend you just so you can learn to brush it off and not be affected by it. I mean, we live in a world now, like my Twitter, sometimes I look at the Twitter feed. I'm like, oh my God, have we become this soft? That unintentional phrases that people tweet out. Or, you know, I was just downstairs and I was posting on my Snapchat. I got Noelle, she's Mexican. And I said, oh man, something smells good. And I went down there, she's cooking in the kitchen. I said, you know Mexicans know how to cook. You know, she's Mexican, I'm not Mexican. I know when I post on my Snapchat, somebody's gonna be butthurt. Oh, why you gotta be racist, right? That's not racist, that's a compliment. And yes, Mexicans make good food, get over it. You know, I do a little Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I do a little Muay Thai, a little boxing. You want people to punch you. You invite them to punch you, that's called sparring, that's called training. You gotta do the same mentally and verbally. You, Find a friend, be like, yo, point out my biggest weakness and make fun of it. Because one of two things are gonna happen. One, it'll be motivation to fix it. Let's say you're fat, and yes, I said it. I'm not saying fat shaming, because being overweight is not healthy, ask any doctor in the world. I'm not talking about being a little chubby, you know, I got a little chub here. But I'm talking about, you know, when you're, we got 35% of people in America are obese, and we're afraid to say anything, so we actually harm them, we ain't helping them. No, no, no. Ask a medical doctor. You think you know all you people triggered by talking about in the right way. I'm talking about constructive criticism because when I box, when I do Muay Thai, when I do Jiu Jitsu, it's constructive. They're there sparring with you so you get better. So yes, it is true that you could say it in a certain way about Mexicans or being obese. That would be not constructive. But you know what? Even that's good training because some people in the world don't like you. And the sooner you grow up and learn and some people aren't gonna like you and they're just gonna call you out just to hurt you, just to hurt your feelings, the tougher you get. And this world's getting weaker and weaker and weaker as the tweets go by and the triggered people go by. I'm going, you know what? I'm gonna ask you this question. It's a dark night. You're in your house. It's three in the morning. You're alone. You wake up, you hear a noise. You hear two people talking. You put your ear to the wall, you can hear there's two burglars. They're in your house and they're crazy. You can hear that they sound drunk. They sound like they're on drugs. So luckily you got your cell phone by you. So you put in the numbers of the 911. You call the police. Who do you want showing up at your door to save your ass? You want little 
politically correct, dainty police officer, or you want somebody with a few scars on their face. They've dealt with situations like this where people ain't always nice, and they come through the door, and they're six foot six, 300 pound police officer, and they got weapons, and they're ready to kick some ass. Who do you want on your side? Well, it's the same with the world. We need some people who are sensitive. We need that in the world, make no mistake. We need some people who are nice, but you know what? We need a balance. It's okay sometimes to be politically correct and this and that and that. If you say his bathroom, her bathroom, okay, I get it. People have been made fun of over gender issues, people that are gay, people that are trans, and I understand that it's gone on for too long. But I also understand that sometimes you're just talking and you're using the English language, an old language, and you might accidentally because of the society we grow up with, the social constructs that we have, you might slip and say an old school way of saying it. And like I said, there's a balance. It's good that society in a certain way is becoming aware of these things. There's some good to that because it's allowing groups that have been made fun of and disenfranchised to now rise up. And I'm all for that if you, you know my stuff. But I'm also talking about there's a flip side to it, which you mark my words. I don't care who you are. Look, I'm not 100% white. So I've experienced racism. I didn't grow up around rich people. When I started, first started to get business and being around rich people, kids who grew up and inherited their money, they looked down on me. They tried to ostracize me. My last name's Lopez. <laughs> you know, there's people who don't like Lopez. Even, you know, like I said, I'm not even that Spanish in terms of my DNA, but some people, when they just hear that word Lopez, oh, I don't like that person. But you know what I learned? You better rise through it, you better be tough. Because if all you do is get offended and all you do is howl and whine, it doesn't affect them. They're already mean people. Do you think you affect the mean person? Scientists have found that if someone's psychotic, which is related to having no empathy, being quote unquote mean, they don't respond to negative cues. They don't respond. So if you say to them, oh, you're being mean to me, it, they don't care. They know it. They're mean people. So what you have to do is have that thick skin. You know what calluses form on your feet to do? Calluses form to protect your feet from rocks, from thorns. That's why we develop that. And there's mental calluses that need to form. And if you're one of those people that's too sensitive or you're always around people that are too sensitive, you gotta grow up. You have to look at the cause. In fact, one of the books that I like the most is called The Four Agreements, best-selling book. And one, it's four rules for living a better life. And one of them is don't take things personally. Because 99% of the time, they ain't even about you. Even if they're using your name, it's not about you. Sometimes, let's say you go on social media. You start posting on social media. You're going to get someone who negatively comments. Most of the time, it's about them. They're having a damn bad day. They're a cynical person. They're Machiavellian. They're psychotic. Why react? Delete them. Or just read your negative comments sometimes on purpose to toughen up. Don't do that all the time because the human brain doesn't want to always be offended. But it's a process just like boxing. Let somebody punch you in the head so you learn to put your guard up. Look, get, you ever seen boxers? They get hit in the stomach so their stomach muscles form stronger and stronger because someday someone's going to hit you in the stomach. And it's the same mentally. We live in a society where we just want to remove all obstacles, all, all hardships, all callous-forming ability, callous-forming exposure, you know, exposure to things that make you tough. Fuck that. You know, look, I didn't grow up rich, so I didn't know what the norms was. I never, but now things are a little bit different around some billionaires, you know, 
Every billionaire I met is tough. I'll tell you one of my favorite stories. This isn't of a billionaire, although it was a very wealthy person. I love basketball. Today I was actually a celebrity coach. My team won. I'm one to know as a coach. So I might retire now as a 100% undefeated coach. Yeah, there was, uh, let's see who was there. DeMar DeRozan was there. He wasn't playing. Metta World Peace was coaching against me from the, who played the Lakers last year. Swaggy P was there now from the Lakers. Now he's up at Golden State. We had D Storm was there. We had Jake Paul. We had T.O. I was, it was 20, 30 people in a stadium. I mean, in a high school. One of the things that I, I was thinking about, just my love of basketball, was a story that Shaquille O'Neal told. Shaquille O'Neal, you know him, he's one of the biggest basketball players. He's a big dude. He's, he played at about seven foot two. He was about 300 pounds, seven foot two, 300. He has shoes, he wears like 23s or 25s or something, a big man. So when he came into the league, he was used to being the biggest person always his whole life growing up. So he goes, his, one of his first, I think it was his first season, I don't know if it was his first game. He's playing against a man named Akeem Olajuwon. Now Akeem Olajuwon's a legend, but he was older and he was a player that I think was Orlando versus Houston Rockets. And Shaq said during the game, when he usually was trying to intimidate an opponent, he would throw one of his big elbows, seven foot two, 300 pound guy, bop. And he elbowed Akeem Olajuwon. And he said, usually one elbow, and people were intimidated the whole game. And he said, Akeem Olajuwon just ran up beside me the next time down the court and just said, ha ha ha, good one. He laughed, and you know what? That psyched out Shaq because, oh my God, this dude's so tough. I throw my worst at him and he's laughing. And that's why I said, you gotta train yourself to laugh at adversity. We live in a world everybody wants somebody to pat them on the back when they're crying over adversity. And there's a time for that, make no mistake. It's like Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything. There's a time, there's a winter, there's a spring, there's a summer, fall. There's a time to be nice and there's a time to be mean. First rule of life. They say that the wisest man in the world, Solomon wrote that, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. He said there's a time to love and there's a time to kill. Oh, people don't like to hear that in the modern world. Oh, there is a time to kill. You're in your house, two people come through, they're on meth or whatever they're on, and they're gonna kill you or your family. It's a time to kill. Some people don't wanna hear that. Their head's up in the sky, oh no, 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 just, what are you gonna do, kumbaya? No, there's a time to kill. But there's an also a time to make peace. And sometimes we go to war too quickly. We need to live in a world, that's why I said where that balance is struck. And the only way you will become balanced is to do the opposite, to do the opposite. So if you're always somebody that always starts a fight and always fights back, then you need to learn how to become a peacemaker. That balances out the brain. The brain must be balanced, the yin and the yang, all that. People have been saying this for centuries. But as I'm saying, if you watch Twitter, it's a world where every single person on there, not every, but millions are on the other side. They're not, when life comes at them, throws them an elbow, they don't have the ability to, <laughs> good one, good one, big fella. You gotta have somebody come up to you, cut you off in traffic, look back at you, and you just go, ha, that's funny. This dude, look at this person, got a bad day. And I'll tell you why you gotta do that. I'm talking practical tip. The other day, somebody cut somebody off. It was in the news. It was a guy and an 18 year old girl cut him off or they got a little road rage incident. He got out and shot her in the head. Instantly killed her, her car went into a tree. Forget what state it was in, she was 18. And she was black and he was white, but they said it wasn't race oriented. This dude was just nuts. And so I don't know the details. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of crazy people out there.
So if that's you in a situation and you don't know how to deal with the situation, you don't know how to deal with conflict because your first motive is just to get offended and cry or scream at somebody, there's crazy people with bullets out there. And I don't care about gun control, what people say. There's still, there's all going to be, if you take away guns, look what happened in London. You take away guns, people are going to be stabbing people with kitchen knives. You take away kitchen knives, people are going to be run people over cars. So the moral of the story is you got to learn conflict, how to deal with conflict. And if your only default motive, uh, <clears throat> if your only default mode is highly offended, well, sometimes you can get popped in the face and you're not going to recover ever. So I'm not saying I have the answers of when to do what. And I make a lot of mistakes on this. But I'm thankful that mentors taught me years ago, there's a time to be offended and there's a time to shrug it off. There's a time to be offended and there's a time to welcome the offense because it makes you stronger as a person. You know what Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's cool. I was over at his house. Hey, check out these pictures I got. I was at his house. He gave me two pictures. Well, it was a little charity auction. He didn't give them to me. <laughs> but one of the things that I love his story when he was growing up he was always naturally, he said, stronger in his upper body. He had a perfect chest, big arms, you know, seven-time Mr. Olympia. But his legs were his weaker point. He said most bodybuilders didn't want people, they were sensitive. They didn't want people to see their weaknesses. They would cover up their weaknesses. So like he said, if it, he knew some bodybuilders, if their legs were weak, they would wear long pants. And if their upper body was good, they would wear a tank top so people could see everything good about them and they cover all the weaknesses. But Arnold said, forget that. I'm gonna get tough, I'm gonna motivate myself. And he would wear shorts, which showed the whole world how little his legs were. And he would wear baggy sweaters so the world couldn't see his strength. See, he was actually toughening himself up. He was taking his weakest points and putting them out there so that people would make fun of him and laugh at him and say, this dude ain't a top body, but look at those little pencil legs. Where's leg? It's leg day. Don't skip leg day. And everything he could defend himself with, he hid. And you know how he did that? He said, it gets you out of bed in the morning. We live in a world people write me all the time. Ty, I procrastinate. I, where do you find the motivation? Sometimes you might find the motivation in people offending you. The other day, if you saw my little video on Instagram, somebody's like, Ty, you can only shoot from the top of the key. You can't shoot from the baseline. So I just whipped out the camera, start hitting baseline shots. And baseline actually is my weakest area to shoot basketball from. And so I said, I'm gonna use this idiot who tried to offend me, but now I'm not offended. This guy's my fuel. This dude who meant to do me harm for whatever reason, whatever issues he had, he's actually my salvation. My salvation and my bad shot on the baseline. Do that, tweak your mind. You're only free when you're the master of your thoughts. One of the greatest uh, philosophers, uh, uh, sorry, not philosophers, one of the greatest thinkers and scientists and psychologists was Sigmund Freud. He's, you know, Sigmund Freud is one of the founders of modern psychology over a century ago. He said that pain, pain, which is what people experience when they're offended, pain is subjective. Now, some pain isn't. If you, you know, drop a, at one time I dropped the weight on my toe, lifting weights, like two, 300 pounds on my foot. That was real pain. But some pain, like I said about Arnold Schwarzenegger, someone making fun of his legs, he turned it into not pain because the end result was he had badass. In fact, he was so self-conscious about his legs and he highlighted into the world that he flew to South Africa. He trained under a man named Reg Park who showed him how to do calf raises uh, correctly. He wasn't doing them right. That's why he had little legs. And he went back 
from South Africa. After he was trained by this mentor, he had been driven there, motivated to go there because of people making fun of him, but he had taken it correctly, gotten stronger, gotten fuel motivated. And when he came back, people said, we don't believe you. We think you had surgery to get your calves so big. He said, no, I just had people talking crap about me. And every time I was in the gym, I want to give up. I just put another 100 pounds on the calf raise, donkey calf raises, all this stuff. And he became a machine. You got to do the same in your life. You know, that's what I was saying, going back to obesity or people being broke. If I say broke, people say, oh, you shouldn't call. The other day, today I posted something on Instagram. I said, you know, don't try to fix stupid people. Number one, you rarely can do it and it takes up a lot of damn time. Just move on to the good people in the world. People say, Ty, you shouldn't say the world's stupid because, you know, who's, who are you to say? Ah, oh, we all know what's stupid. Come on, shut, shut up. <laughs> you don't know what a stupid person, you telling me, it's all in the eye of the beholder. No, there's genuine, and I, I'm not talking about IQ. I'm not talking about people developmentally, you know, who are handicapped. You think that's what I was talking about? Don't help handicapped people. Of course, that's not what I'm talking about. Of course, you always help the helpless. That's, the, that's pure religion right there. I don't care what religion you are. Help the helpless. I'm talking about people who are stupid, ignorant, but people were offended that I hadn't picked. They couldn't just get the gist of what I posted. Now, like 90% of the comments were positive, but you always got that 10%. People got to find a way to get butt hurt. And that's the modern politically correct. It's overly politically correct. I'm all for a little political correctness, but I'm also for a little bit of not. <laughs> you call me. One thing I've liked about social media, people are like, what have you learned from social media? Well, I learned a lot. Reached over 200 million people. I've learned a lot about psychology. I've learned about mass, tr I've learned about trends. I've learned about mass psychology, how, how, the 25 cognitive biases affect people, social proof, association biases, con these are co more complex concepts, you know, Kantian fairness and reciprocity bias and urgency, all those things. I've. But one of the things that I've learned is that this kind of sensitivity is feeding on itself and it's getting worse, not better. It's feeding on itself. See, 100 years ago, all the sensitive people or afraid to say something, they didn't have a forum, they didn't have social media, they just kind of stepped themselves. So in some ways, the world's better. Now, if you're an introverted, shy person, you've got a platform to speak out, and you can leave a YouTube comment on Instagram, and your voice can be heard. Like I said, it's a balance. Part of that's great, and part of it's not. Because I'll give you an example. Some people, 100 years ago, they used to stay you know, away from the crowds and not, and used to be super shy. Some of them were crazy. That's why they didn't want to talk to anybody. And they used to just sit in their basement and whatever, I don't know what they did a hundred years ago, write pen pal letters. But now one of those idiots can get on YouTube and Instagram and spend eight hours just, for, and Psychology Today did a fascinating study on this. What I'm saying is not just my opinion, it's hard science. If you Google the psychology of, uh, of comments, commenters, you can just Google that phrase. Psychology Today, one of the biggest publications, did extensive scientific research on this and they found, yes, it's true. Most of the people leaving weird comments on Instagram and YouTube, Facebook and all this are people who have literally classic psychological impairments. They're psychotic, they're Machiavellian. It's called the dark triad. There's actually something called the dark dyad and, there's the, the, and so there's even sadistic things like people who like to kill animals. You know, 100 years ago, they were like torturing animals. Now they can try to get and torture you. Go on your Facebook. So here's what I learned after reaching a couple hundred million people have watched my stuff just on Facebook, not even counting YouTube. But let's just say 100, 200 million people. So I've gotten a, a broad survey 
from over 150 countries. It's not just my experience from LA or you know, 40 year olds or 20 year olds or males or females. There's a broad audience. One thing that I've learned that's very fascinating is that you can toughen up. Because when I first got on social media, it's like, oh man, there's people and your brain gravitates toward the negativity. It's called the negativity bias of the brain. And so your brain gravitates, when you get a negative comment on your Facebook, even if you got 10 nice ones, you get one a-hole, then you're like, all you could think about all day is like, oh. I know one of the most famous people in the world. I'm not gonna say their name, an A-list celebrity, A-plus list celebrity that I did an interesting talk with. And they read all their comments because they're, you know, so even, uh, I don't care if you have five followers, or five million followers. This affects everybody. And so what happens that I had to learn, which is I'm very happy it happened, is I went through this process of at first you're like, wow, because we're not used to reaching that many people. A hundred years ago, you couldn't reach many people. I mean, maybe you wrote a book or a newspaper, but it wasn't like now, where you see people getting a million social media followers in a month, right? And all of a sudden they can reach a million people and so the world opens up. So as I did that, I was like, man, this is interesting because I had to go through that process of hardening up. Now you call me a name, you're like, oh, Ty Lopez, you're blah, blah, I think it's funny, I read my mean tweets, I laugh. I actually took my office and had them post the meanest comments because it's just like boxing, it's just like jujitsu, it's just like kickboxing, you must spar. And sparring is the process of fighting against a person in a controlled environment. Now, when people leave a negative comment to you, when people talk crap, when you try to do something, people are gonna talk crap to you. If it's online, it's a controlled environment. They can't reach through and punch you in the face. <clears throat> you know, if it's in person, you might have to escape. <laughs> if you're ever out somewhere, some crazy person comes talking crap right in your face. As I told you, someone just got shot in the head over a road rage incident. So, but I'm talking about a controlled environment like jujitsu, boxing, you're in a ring or you're, or you're you know, rolling on the mats with a trainer, with a teacher, but when it's online, when you get those, use them to toughen up. And if there's some truth in them, use them to address your life. So if someone makes fun of you for being too skinny, for being too fat, for being this, ask a doctor if they're right. Don't ask me, I'm not a judge, I'm not a medical doctor. But your medical doctor will tell you, you know, some people are big bone and some people are fat. Some people are, and if you're super overweight or super underweight, it ain't healthy, you die younger. You get metabolic problems. Let's not kid ourselves. Now, some people got gland. That's why I said, ask a damn doctor. Go to be like, hey, a lot of people are saying this about my body. I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm blah, blah, blah. If the doctor, you go into the doctor and he checks you out and he goes, mm, you need, do need to lose 20 pounds or you need to gain 20 pounds, then listen to the damn doctor and be thankful you got those negative comments because they pushed you to health. Or, or nowadays we live in a world where we're gonna argue with doctors. We're gonna argue with medical doctors because that's something people will do that, you know? People will argue with medical doctors. No, every shape is beautiful. Well, it is in a kind of a way, but not everyone's healthy. There's more science on that than anything. Like I said, this all started because I, <laughs> Noelle was over there cooking some food. If someone says Mexicans are good cooks, why we have to be triggered? You, if you say, well, it's because other races are good cooks, I mean, other ethnicities are good cooks, other countries. Well, if Mexicans got a better name than some other country, then let that other country use it as motivation to become even better cooks so the whole world knows them. A lot of people like Mexican food. So if you live in Norway, if you live in you know, Chile, if you live in Mozambique, if you live in, in Vietnam, and you're like, well, wait a sec, why is Ty pointing out Mexicans? Use it as fuel, why not? 
And that's kind of a stupid example, but kind of not a stupid example at the same time. Use it as fuel. If somebody says, oh, you, you're broke, you're stupid, read a book. You know, when I was young, one of the pivotal moments in my life, and I've told this story before, but you may or may not have heard it. I was with some five mentors who were 20, 30 years older than me. I never made really much money. I made 10 or 12 grand in my first business. These guys were multimillionaires. I was still just, I think, actually, I was a little older than a teenager. I was early 20s. These guys were 50s. Some of them 67. There was one guy, Dr. Gordon Hazard, who I think was about 80 at the time. And what happened was, I told him, I'm gonna be a businessman. And these five guys, they had been drinking. It was actually at a hunting lodge. They had been drinking and they looked over and they said to me, Ty, you gonna be an entrepreneur, you can make money? Do you know anything about money? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And they said, okay, what's ROI mean? No, IRR, they said, IRR. Which now I know means internal rate of return. It's a way of calculating how well your investments do. It's a little different than ROI, it factors in cash flows and other things. So I was like, I don't know. And I'll never forget these five guys that I looked up to sit there and laughed at me and said, you probably ain't gonna ever be anything, Ty. And man, I'm not a dude that cries very much, but that was one of the times where I felt like crying, but I did it. And you know what I said to myself? I said, if these guys, smart guys, who know about business have that opinion of me, they're probably right. I'm gonna change my life so no one can ever say that about me. And I became to study finance. I went on, I worked at GE Capital. I started self-study because formal education will make you a living, but self-education will make you a for, uh, fortune. Formal education will make you a living, but self-education could make you a fortune. I said, I wanna make a fortune, not just a living. And so I said, I'm gonna become a certified financial planner. I went on, I got certified for that. You know, That was a phase in my life. I no longer do financial planning. I did it for about five years of my life. I'm no longer a certified financial planner because I'm not in that industry anymore, but I did it just so I could do it so that in my mind, I could say, if anybody ever says to me, you're an idiot, you don't know about business, I'll be like, oh yeah, let's talk. And now, I sit down with billionaires. I sit down with some of the top business people in the world, and I've never once had them say, you're an idiot about business. Now, they might know more than me, and I don't know everything, but nobody thinks I don't know about business. Nobody. Because I vowed to myself, instead of getting too weak-willed and too triggered and too offended, I said, these guys were right. Yeah, I'm offended, but I'm gonna use it to build a mental callus to strengthen myself and get stronger. I said, you know what? Nobody will ever say that again. So you know what? One of the most in-shape people I know in the world, I used to have a bouncer, I used to own nightclubs in North Carolina. There was a bouncer named Franco, one of the strongest humans I've ever met. I'm talking, this dude benched five, 600 pounds. He was two, I don't know, 260, and he could do 20 or 30 pull-ups. You rarely see a guy that strong. And Franco always ate perfectly. Like I own a nightclub, I, I own a nightclub business, and so we used to operate multiple clubs. I would cut a deal. They own the club and I'll operate them. And that was cool, because I didn't have much cash, so I didn't have to buy a building. I let them do it and I just basically cut a, we did what's called a joint venture where we split the money. And so there was a place called Red Room in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm not sure if it's still there. I sold that business about seven years ago. Franco, we were there, Red Room had amazing food, boy, but it wasn't always the healthiest, it was like Spanish tapas. And Franco, this big, strong guy, he always was more disciplined than anyone I knew, more disciplined than me. He wouldn't eat carbs late at night, he would eat only, you know, lean cuts and all this, and meat, and he would avoid processed and anything. And I said to him, Franco, I said, I gotta talk to you one day. You're the most disciplined person I've ever met. He was probably 35 or something. How long have you been disciplined? He said, well, for a long time. I said, how did you get so disciplined? Most people can't control what they eat. He said, when I was young, I was fat and people made fun of me 
and they bullied me. And I said to myself, never again will somebody bully me for my weight. So I lost that weight. And every time I want to eat crappy food, I think back and I conjure up the emotions. See, humans aren't always logical. We're emotional. You, you're not motivated. You're procrastinating too much. I can tell you why. You, you do not have enough emotional force that you could bring to the table like my friend Franco. And Franco said, the pain of not eating some junky food in the moment, of, of having some self-control, that little bit of pain is not worse than the pain of people calling me uh, fat and bullying me. So I've motivated myself. And I said, damn, you did it right. You did it right, my friend. That's all I can say. When someone says to you, you're broke, well, ask yourself, are you? If the answer is yes, don't start fixing it as best you can. It'll take some time. They'll still bully you, but you know what? Toughen up a little bit. Welcome to planet Earth. This is the world where 30 million people in India, 30 million kids are starving to death. See, I always find that people are offended. They're only offended about things that affect them. They're, they don't really give a shit that much. They're just like, ah, Twitter's full of people trying to protect their little me. And now, if you want to be offended, go be offended at major injustice in the world. Major injustice is what I feel like we should be offended about. Not whether we accidentally say Mexicans are good cooks. Who cares? If I put a list of the 500 biggest problems facing planet Earth, it ain't even on five, in the 500 list. It's not even 499. <laughs> we got erosion, we got an asteroid hitting our planet, we got global holocaust and starvation, we got you know global warming or global cooling, whatever you believe. We got mass riots, we got wars. There's, there's only been like 30 years without a war in the last 500 years. We got issues with fuel in terms of energy and depleting the energy. We got issues with carbon, we got, is we got issues we got issues with North Korea and crazy dictators. I ain't got time to go through and just make sure nothing else offends me. Why don't I spend my time on the big stuff? That's what I always want to ask the people who are too politically correct. Why is this a big deal to you, you know? Why? Africa right now, there's some lion pouncing on some weak wildebeest. Are you offended by that? No, because some of it's the way of the world. One of my favorite authors and one of the wisest, smartest people of all time, or our time for sure, is a man named Will Durant. He won a Pulitzer Prize. He was a professor and he wrote a series of books called The Story of Civilization. It's one of the greatest. If you could own, if I could own one set of books on a desert island, it'd be The Story of Civilization. It's about 800 to 1200 pages, I forget. I've read it multiple times since I was a teenager. I was lucky enough somebody gave me an old copy of it. I couldn't afford it. It was like a 500 and someone gave me an old dusty copy. I've read it over and over. And he said one of the things, he talks about the lessons of history. And he said, the second lesson of history is that life is competition. Life is a struggle. Not everything survives. Some species will go extinct. Are we mad that there's still not, you know, every dinosaur? No, possibly the dinosaurs went extinct because an asteroid hit. Are we offended at asteroids now? No, because it's the way of the world. Because some problems are not preventable. Some problems, you just gotta roll with the punches. Somebody in your family or close to you will probably get a disease in your lifetime. And if you're, if you're, what are you, offended at the microbe that caused it? Are you offended at the virus? No, don't be offended. You can use the fuel to come up with a cure. Come up with a damn cure then. Use it, devote your life to science and medicine then. Devote it. Use all that pain that you're offended that you lost somebody close to you that you loved or that you see millions of people dying of cancer. 
You say, one day I will solve this problem. That's the world I want to live in. See, people who harness the power, uh, harness what offends weak-willed people and turns it into game changers, life changers, society changers, epic people that will be remembered throughout history. See, most people aren't going to be remembered throughout history. And part of it is because most people are too weak-willed. So next time you feel like pulling out that big, emotionally sensitive thing, say, is it time to balance out with a little toughness? When you have a little kid, and you have a mother and father, or you have two parents, whatever it is, and now in the modern world, it's not always a mother and father. I'm sure someone's offended about that, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes I'm like, do I say fireman, firewoman, postman, postwoman? Like if I accidentally say a postman or a fireman, I know that women can be just as good at this stuff too. I'm just accidentally saying it. So excuse me, I'm not perfect. If you're so perfect with your language, let me dissect your conversation, because I bet you all find shit that you do wrong too. There's people get offended about grammar. Well, let me tell you something about grammar. Why grammar in some ways is important, in some ways is a crock of shit. Oh, yeah, I said it. Because there's something called semantics. There's something called semiotics. Semiotics means the study of symbolism. It's the same that people get offended when you swear. Well, look, Swearing's not real. As I told you about Freud, he said pain, a lot of pain is subjective that we inflict upon ourselves. If you go to China and start swearing at people in English, they don't know what you're talking about. So you ain't hurting their feelings, but it's the same word. So how come when someone says it to us in English, we get offended? It's only because we understand it and we attribute symbolism. Uh, we attribute meaning to the symbol. What happens if you just stop doing that? Expand the mind, be powerful. Now, if this sounds a little crazy to you, well, I am a little crazy, but I always remember what Albert Einstein said. The thing about smart people is they sound crazy to stupid people. <laughs> so sometimes, an example, I've learned to toughen up my brain. Sometimes people go, oh, Ty, you got crazy thoughts. Nobody's thinking like that. I say, yeah, well, sometimes they're right. Sometimes I'm an idiot, but sometimes I'm ahead of the curve. Sometimes I just say to myself, well, Ty, never forget the thing about smart people is sometimes they sound crazy to stupid people. Think about Galileo, Galilei. Think about Martin Luther King Jr. All these people who change the world, you wanna change the world, sometimes people wanna call you crazy because you're ahead of the curve. So get used to it. You know what happens to most revolutionaries? Go through history, they get assassinated, almost all of them. Now hopefully that never happens to you or I, but it could. Because when you stand for something, people don't always like it. Martin Luther King Jr. was like, hey, black people should be able to drink at the same fountains as everybody else. Some people thought he looked stupid. He was stupid saying that, but no, he was just smarter ahead of the curve. And they were the stupid people. He sounded crazy because they were stupid. He was ahead of the curve, and unfortunately he was assassinated. JFK was assassinated. Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated. Jesus Christ was assassinated. You go on through, Indira Gandhi was assassinated. No, a lot of people get assassinated. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy world. So while you got breath, while you got time, use every force that comes at you for good or bad to your advantages. One of the reasons I like jujitsu, I do Brazilian jujitsu under Machado's and I've done some with the Gracie's too. But the reason I do it is because it's called, the word jujitsu basically translates to the gentle art. Someone comes at you with tremendous force, you learn to use their force against them. You see arm bars, you see things like this. This is where someone swings at you, they're exposing their arm. They're sitting, on, if they're on top of you and they're trying to punch you, they reach too far, you use that power that they have against them. You put them in a triangle choke, you put them in a, you know, arm bar, you put them belly down arm bar while they're on top of you trying to hurt you. And the reason you must do that 
is because you can't always fight force with force in the sense that some people are stronger than you. And it's the same what I was trying to say. Emotionally, some people, if you try to eliminate all emotional criticism, some people, there's too much. It's too strong of a voice throughout your life. Throughout your life, hopefully you lived 100 years old. There's going to be every year of your life people coming at you emotionally, verbally, in a negative way, not constructive criticism. And so you're going to have to learn. You can't just say, never happened to me. And that's what I feel like Twitter people and people getting offended are trying to do. They're trying to go, no negative, nothing bad in the world. Well, uh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Not in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime. No one's going to fix <laughs> No one's going to fix the crazy gene in, in, in our lifetime. So what you learn to do is mental jujitsu, like Brazilian jujitsu, but for the mind, you take it and you harness it. And the stories I've told you about, my own story, people saying I would never know how to make money. Franco, about people saying he's overweight and using that to harness to be in the best shape for decades of his life. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger, using that, people uh, actually exposing his weakest legs so that people would come at him and motivate. That's mental jujitsu. That's the real martial, that's like Bruce Lee said. He said, you gotta be like water. Water conforms to the cup. If it's a big cup, it gets big. If it's small, it gets small. That's like jujitsu, you conform. When people attack you, you don't resist and say, no one can ever attack me. I make a rule. No one can ever, no road rage ever. No one, my boss can never be an a-hole. No one can ever make fun of my body. No, you, you can be doing, you can't do it. That's not conforming. You roll with it. Someone makes fun of your body. You use it to wake up and go, okay, we can all do a little better. You don't have to go frantic. You don't have to listen to every negative cue. I'm recording this to do Talk about the opposite. We live in a world we already know about politically correctness. I'm trying to give a little bit of the other side of the story. One of my favorite proverbs is that every person's side of the story sounds good till you hear the other one. See, there's a lot of good going on in the world. Like I said, of activism and people standing up for disenfranchised groups, whether they be gay or whether they be black or Mexican or whatever. There's a lot of good to that. Of course there is. But you also must... Look at the other side, which is we're not going to instantly stop it. So you got to know how to deal with it as it comes through daily in your life. You got to know how to deal with it. Or else what are you going to wait until the world is fully reformed? People have been trying to do, there's been reformers throughout history and it's still not done. When do you think it'll be done? It's just a new thing they try to reform. It never gets fixed. There's always another idiot born. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Someone's all, oh, Ty, what's an idiot? And we all know what, if you don't know what an idiot, then it's you. One of my mentors used to say, Ty, if you are sitting in a room playing poker and after 30 minutes you don't know who the sucker in the room is, guess who it is? It's you. <laughs> so uh, when you're playing poker, keep your head up, pay attention, because people are trying to make a move on you because they want to take your money. And that's the name of the game called poker. And that's the competition in poker. And you're not going to ever fully take that away. DNA in humans, the competitive urge ain't going away anytime soon, and you don't want it to completely go away. If you got rid of all competition, where would ambition go? Competition and ambition are two wedded concepts, psychologically. You'd have no sports, you'd have, well, you eliminate ambition. You know, ambitious people invent things. They write books, they become architects, they cure diseases. Now, they also do some messed up stuff, they also start wars, but I'm saying, you get one with the other, so you can't completely eliminate it or else you eliminate the human species and you eliminate our psychology and it's not gonna happen. It will not happen. DNA changes it tremendously slow. Unless you put bionic 
and artificial brains into us, which may happen sooner than we think if you believe in the point of singularity, but there are gonna be humans. In so, as long as we don't blow ourselves off the planet or starve ourselves or do something or get hit by an asteroid, have to go with Elon Musk up to Mars. Uh, but even there, we're just gonna bring the human gene right up there, boy. So be tough mentally. Practice mental jujitsu. Next time somebody offends you or you wanna be offended, harness it. Because at the end of the day, those people, whether you fight back, they ain't listening. So use it for something for yourself. That's mental jujitsu. Okay? I'm headed to bed. If you want the chance to enter into one of my free giveaways, here's all you have to do. Number one, subscribe to my podcast. And then secondly, leave an honest review of my podcast. What do you think of it? All right? I pick random reviewers to win either an iPhone 7, a GoPro Black, a MacBook Air, iPad, Kindle, and then I've been doing these uh, once a month free car giveaways, giving away a Mustang or Camaro to one random social media follower, podcast followers are entered into that too. So you'll get your free chance to enter. Just leave an honest review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. All right. I hope you win one of the giveaways. Talk to you soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever it is you like to listen so that you don't miss out on any new episodes as they come out.